0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Shut Up and Listen. And just an FYI, heads up, some really good news. So um, I've been approached by some sponsors for this show, advertisers. So that is going to be starting not this week, but next week. So just giving you an Update, heads up, letting you know what's going to be going on. And obviously, as I said in last week's podcast, you know, I'm not going to have anything on here that I haven't used, don't use, don't advocate for. I do a lot of research and I'm very picky. Um, and so, with that, today I've got a beautiful, beautiful woman sitting next to me whom I met really just relatively recently um doing her po- podcast Ba 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 Ba. Um and I just got back from Europe so forgive me, literally last night. So I'm a little jet lagged. Um Brandy Posey. Hello. One of the co hosts of Lady to Lady mm-hmm. Um and my God, you're gonna fucking kill me. <laughs> you fucking okay. told
1: me. No, no no, don't worry about it. It's all good. Uh, I'm the host and co-creator of a show in LA called Picture This. Um, It's comedians paired up with animators. We do it monthly at the Virgil. It's really fun. Uh, And I have a stand-up comedy album called Opinion Cave that came out in 2016. Which... Also did incredibly, incredibly well. Yeah. Yeah. Debuted number one on iTunes, number 12 on Billboard, and uh, it's available digitally everywhere you buy albums. Um, You can buy a cool cassette on my website um, with a digital download code, because I'm old school like that. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. It's pretty fun. An
0: actual cassette? Yeah, yeah.
1: Actual cassettes. (gasps) Got them made in Canada. Oh, my God. they're great.
0: Wow. And then comes going to like some weird store to get a cassette player
1: you'd be surprised how many people still have them really yeah a lot of people have them as like throwbacks because like a lot of people my age uh, like me resent cds because they had to rebuy a bunch of cassettes like i never had an affinity for cds at all i always hated them because i had to like rebuy a bunch of my favorite albums um so i would do it but i always like just never really liked them very much so when i made my album i was like I'm not gonna do vinyl because I drive all the time and vinyl would melt. So I wanted to do cassettes. That's
0: so interesting. Yeah. And we're we're like the same age. You're born in eighty three. four. Eighty four. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Same. Okay. I was mm-hmm. born in eighty two. Yeah. And I know that you're a Pisces because mm-hmm. we talked about that on Lady to Lady. Yeah. Um, and I we won't sit here and listen to musicals, I promise. <laughs> oh, it's fine, I don't, it's all good. Um <laughs> But that's that's so interesting. Do you remember the
1: the first cd you bought the first cd i bought was uh the pocahontas soundtrack yeah really mm-hmm.
0: and why did you why what what drew you to that
1: i think i i hadn't seen the movie yet and was just like well i'll see if i like the songs before i see the movie that was kind of always the way i was with like a lot of disney movies and "Do like, you love it yeah it's pretty good yeah, yeah. I don't like none of like I love like the Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, and like uh, Little Mermaid are kind of like the the big ones, are the ones that I like. Yeah. And then Pocahontas is just cool, but like I I don't know. I always like my my cartoons to be to have a lot more anarchy to them. Like I'm, I'm a Looney Tunes girl, not a Disney girl.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: I gotcha. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm I'm definitely a fan of Looney Tunes. <laughs> yeah. Um. And Disney. I mm-hmm. never really considered buying Disney albums. Yeah. Like ever. Um, and that's like, that just makes me think now I'm so curious. And like mm-hmm. in terms of like the Looney Tunes camp versus the Disney camp, I mm-hmm. was not allowed to watch cartoons. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. No. When I grew up, I was allowed to watch one hour of TV a week. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Wow. And I wasn't allowed to watch cartoons. Was
1: it always the same shows or was it different? Kind of, you got to choose your hour or whatever.
0: I mean, I got to choose my hour. And for a long time I chose, I think it was Sunday night, Xena Warrior Princess. Love Xena. That was on the WB mm-hmm. at the time <laughs> at I think like 8 p.m. from yeah. 8 to 9. And then I think it was like Hercules at 9 o'clock. Yep. Um, and... Other than that, like that's really like the only show that sticks out in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there was like a little bit of like nine oh two one oh yeah thrown in there for good measure and occasionally maybe Melrose Place. Yeah. But yeah, it was Xena for gotcha. sure
1: cool that yeah. was it i was pretty into Zena too like i i was kind of the opposite like i i loved cartoons and i much like cds i like resented when all of my friends started watching just like live action stuff because i was like i don't care who's dating who there's gargoyles fighting each other <laughs> like i was always like way more i always thought that was like way more like fantastical and cool well, so yeah, so Zena sure. was like a nice bridge between the two of them for me
0: so did you like films like labyrinth and mm-hmm. yeah okay.
1: Okay. All of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm like a total, I love fantasy. I love sci-fi. I love things that are like fantastical worlds that I can't just, you know, hear about somebody's life over brunch. Why? Um, because that's a part of reality or that that that's not a possible in this realm. And I think that's just way more interesting to me.
0: That's it. I, I literally was just having this conversation yesterday mm-hmm. um, because on the plane coming home I watched Avatar yeah most of it okay. which I'd never seen before
1: I've not seen Avatar Was <gasps> it good
0: oh my gosh this oh yeah you know I, I'm grateful that I got to see it
1: mm-hmm.
0: in 2017 versus when it first came out <clears throat> Because I'm sure my experience and opinion would have been very different. Mm-hmm. And watching it last night, to a certain degree, I understood it in a bigger sense because it also reminded me of my experience with ayahuasca, mm-hmm. you know, okay. and being able to look at it from that from that standpoint in mm-hmm. terms of technology and whatever and blah 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 blah. And with that, I saw that in terms of dialogue, there was incredible amounts of
1: exposition. And that's the one that has unobtainium, right? (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's just, it's so, it's,
0: it's, it's, action to get to the thing as to why they're there and buh, 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 it's very, you know, ABC one, two, three storytelling. Mm -hmm. Um, and when it comes to the individuals that they're trying to essentially steal from, Mm um, and I again, I didn't finish it, so I know that there's like some great war because, it, yeah, like whatevs, um it's
1: a James Cameron movie it's got to have a, yeah, he's got to spend it, that the, money somewhere, it, yeah. <laughs>
0: but it's it, it's still that that idea of on one hand, I'm like, yes, I get it. This is amazing. This is like an incredible message. And on the other hand, I remember literally shaking my head and rolling my eyes mm-hmm. at the white ignorance Okay. in, in terms of the storytelling and in terms of the film and in terms of the portrayal um, mm-hmm. of these beings that are on this planet. And it, it and that's when I turned it off. I just was like, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm just yeah. going to sleep. I've already had some Baileys. I'm done. Yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely, absolutely done. And did you ever read The Mists of Avalon? No. Marion Zimmer Bradley? mm Okay. I'm like, I want you to read that book, but at the same time, I also don't want you to read that book. Um, because it, it just, it, it made me think of a lot of times now having the experience of some of my favorite authors and finding out that they're real fucking asshats. Yeah. And then it it ruins that it ruins the work for me. Yeah. You know, and Marion Zimmer Bradley is one of them. Mm, Okay. You know, and it's the, it's the female perspective of, um, King Arthur. It's, it's told from the, the realm of Celtic, sci-fi fantasy and where women were in power and blah mm-hmm. blah blah it's really 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 beautiful book
1: Interesting.
0: um okay. oh, yeah it's like a 1200 page book hmm. it's an incredible incredible book it just sucks at her and yeah that she sucks i don't know much about her but, uh, Something to do with like her husband and child molestation and blah 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 blah. Oh, blah.
1: that brand of bad. Okay, that, gotcha.
0: That <laughs> brand. Of I don't know bad. which
1: flavor we're talking. That's
0: that's the yeah. flavor. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Disgust with a pinch of further
1: disgust. Gotcha. A, a, a disgust double. It's my least favorite Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> 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 oh, that's that's
0: funny because it's sad and it's sad because it's true. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. What about? Did you ever read anything by David Eddings? No. <gasps> okay. So David Eddings wrote a whole entire series, which was like the Belgrade series, which is mm-hmm. like another book series. That takes place in, like, fantastical realms and blah, 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 blah. I, I love sci-fi and I love fantasy. Yeah. But I prefer that my sci-fi be set in, like, medieval times. Oh, that's interesting. Okay.
1: Like, love it in terms of, like, Lord of the Rings. Okay. Type shit. Gotcha. See, I grew up on, like, Star uh, Star Trek and stuff like that. Okay. And Star Trek was, like, my... That was like me and my dad watched watch Star Trek together every week. He'd brush my hair. It was like our thing. Oh. And Star Trek, I think, is like the women on that show are the reason that like I just said I'm like a take sh- no shit lady because they were... I didn't realize until later in life that how... What a treat it was to see the male crew members never question or dismiss anything that a woman on that show said. And it was like, oh, wow. all Like these little people are all literally equal and they all respect each other in the same way. And nobody, nobody is sexist on that show really and that was like what was modeled for me as normal you know so and it wasn't until later that i was like oh wow that's really great that's like that's what i got from that show because if they weren't working together they would all die in space (laughs) and that's just you know i think that's what what it takes (laughs) yeah i
0: I feel like that's actually what's happening today right now That literally we haven't been working together and we're literally in the
1: middle of space slowly (laughs) dying. Exactly. If people started thinking about the earth as like a spaceship more than a planet, I think maybe we'd be okay. (laughs) I
0: I think about it probably way too often. Yeah. I I, I think about it way too often that we are literally just not even in the middle of space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we are in the middle of space, but I just always think of like, I never want to come across as, mm-hmm. you know, thinking that I view Earth as like the center of the universe because yeah. I fucking don't at all. Yeah. Um, and fuck it blows geocentrism.
1: My Get out of here. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, and then
0: that I just heard
1: today, mm-hmm.
0: an NPR... And I talk to myself a lot in my car when I'm by myself. Oh, for sure. And I listen to a normal person. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like I listen to podcasts. I listen to NPR. Mm -hmm. That's it. Um, And they were talking about how they're going to have they want to be able to have the ability to bring people to Mars by 2030. (gasps) And I'm thinking we can't even fucking get healthcare right. Yeah in 2017 and you're we're, we're talking about bringing visitors to mars by 2030
1: what are we going to do when we get there you know what I mean? like we're just going to yell at each other and hate each other on twitter more cool i'm glad we took another planet for that
0: i just and and that's uh, i mean I, it's going to be it's it's going to be an interesting i think like next few decades yeah um but is that something you would do would you go to mars no why
1: um because i i have a rule that i live by where i do not go into environments where i cannot survive without an apparatus of some kind so i don't want to go to space i do not want to go to the bottom of the ocean i do not want to go to the top of a mountain i do not want to go to mars yeah <laughs> it's 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 like literally an argument that i get into with my boyfriend because he's like you wouldn't want to like you know do some space travel go to the moon and i was like no what if, what if I'm on the ship that something happens on? No, I want to know that I can breathe. And I don't need, a. I don't trust robots enough that a robot will keep me alive, especially because now we're like giving them AI. That's how they take us all out. They take us all to Mars and then they're like, oh, well, you were horrible to us and we're just going to turn off your air. Yeah. 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 So I don't trust robots and that's why I won't go to Mars.
0: Okay. <laughs> wow. That's, that's. We are, we are in that time, aren't we? We're <laughs> yeah. in that time. We're in the virtual reality AI time. We are. It's really. It's so. Fuck me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I I like I I don't even know. It's yeah. a, a, part of me. Is, is just <laughs> like, how do I get my tasks done that like I wrote down like on my list today? Yeah. Let me just get these done because I I literally will. End up going down a rabbit hole and feeling so hopeless
2: mm-hmm.
0: um and, and completely sober, like, yeah. no weed, nothing, yeah, but I will just go down such a rabbit hole mm-hmm. um because and we were talking about this like when you first got here, mm-hmm. you know and i was I was telling you about how I don't care where I am in the world, I love dogs,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I love dogs yeah dogs everywhere anywhere I love them I love dogs um because dogs are dogs and then just thinking about like why can't we as human beings you know have that same feeling towards one another and then I was thinking about like open borders and blah 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 blah, blah. Mm -hmm. pardon me and you know if we ended up all just having like one currency because really like Mm -hmm. Toni Morrison talks about it that like you know, there is one race and it's the human race. Yeah. Like that's it. Um, And we can't even treat each other well. Yeah. Like we can't even treat each other well. And then you were talking about what if aliens came.
1: Yeah. Here. Yeah. Would it unite us or would it unite us for 10 years? And then I, I was saying like much like, We've branded 9/11 and made that a rallying war cry. Would we then brand the alien attack, and then the people in charge would use that to further take away our rights and you know make us even more scared of everything?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. and and that's like that. Um, it's either District 13 or District. Yeah. Yeah. 13. Yeah. District 13, which broke my fucking heart. Yeah. Um, and I loved that you talked about it because I'd never, I'd never thought about like the quote-unquote branding of 9-11 mm-hmm. um and the whole entire reason that I th- that we had even gotten into this conversation was because I was you know Europe is a lot different than the U.S. and flying back to the U.S. they were like the U.S. makes us say this about like not gathering near the bathroom or, or like standing in the aisle um <clears throat> and uh, you know talking about how like flight attendants Like their primary purpose is to be there for your safety mm-hmm. You know and Again like it, it made me think you know stop Using nine eleven for everything Yeah And hiding behind everything Yeah um, And I'm sure that there are going to be people that are going to be like Up in arms um, mm-hmm. You know and And with that too You know it's um killing and just because something has happened in, in one mm-hmm. country doesn't mean that it's um any less significant, that killing is any less significant in any other part of the world. Yeah. You know, um, which then led me to that a whole entire thought process about dogs, mm-hmm. humans, open borders, ba 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 ba. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: I, I think about that all the time because it's like, Whenever I look at dogs, I'm just like, dogs don't have presidents. Dogs don't have money. And they're way happier than all of us. Who the hell do we think we are? Why did we impose this system on ourselves when we could just like all be sniffing butts and just be happy? You know, like there isn't a Senate of dogs. That sounds adorable, but (laughs) I
0: I want a Senate of dogs. Yeah.
1: But you know, it's, it's, yeah, there, that doesn't exist. And it's, dogs are great they don't have all this stuff. They're just, they're just living and doing their thing.
0: I know. And I mean, I always say like dog is God's felt backwards. Yeah, absolutely. Like unconditional love mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't give a shit. Yeah. You know, like is just as happy to see you after mm-hmm. an hour as they are after, you know, two weeks.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they have like a, a, deep well of empathy. Um, and they, they, consents when you're sad and they are there for you and they're loyal you know in ways i wish people were more you know we have like such like a uh just like a lack of empathy i think with humans right now is kind of like the root of so many issues um because i think like also we've lost this i don't know actually i don't know if we lost it i don't know if we have ever really had it like the ability people are capable of um concrete empathy but we have a really hard time with abstract empathy. And as like the internet has made the world bigger, I think that has become more and more of a problem. Like I can talk to, I talk to like my dad and if I lay out, if he like, knows somebody specifically in his life that has X, Y, and Z issues, he will do everything that he can to help them. But he can't make the mental jump to Oh, somebody that lives somewhere else might also have those problems, and then five thousand people might have those same problems. He doesn't understand how to you know and and that's with a lot of people. I think it's like you know that that's that's a major problem that a lot of people have,
0: yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. and that i was this is what I was actually speaking about in mm-hmm. prague um mm-hmm. connection yeah um that was that was the um foundation of my talk and talking about how even though we've become more connected in one way, we've become so disconnected in another. Yeah. And, and I feel that, you know, connection with others also starts with the connection of self absolutely, and connection to self mm-hmm. and that, um, in order to have, and we can't survive without connection. Like yeah. that is the truth. We absolutely mm-hmm. can not survive yeah and um when you have large groups of people it's it becomes almost like a mob mind mentality Mm -hmm. versus when you're dealing Mm one-on-one um or even like one-on-two or Mm -hmm. whatever it is um and i feel like we're so trained to I, I think it's a lot of things I think that the birth of the 24-hour news cycle yeah is a huge thing mm-hmm. I also feel like um we've become so desensitized to violence absolutely in every single way shape and form mm-hmm. and that people they're, their MO at the end of the day is just to quote unquote survive. Yeah. You know? And so not my business. I'm not getting involved. Has nothing to do with me. Let somebody Mm -hmm. else do it. Let somebody. And, and the selfishness is rooted in that, um, instinct to survive. Mm -hmm. Um, and that to me is is always, it always comes back to like people's fear of death.
1: Yeah absolutely and the unknown mhm well yeah and it's also like you know we in the us especially like we haven't the cost of living has gone up and we haven't raised wages and like people like people are still stuck in that survival mode because it's so hard to advance and make enough make enough money to be able to pay to have shelter and have food and have a couple of things taken care of so it's hard for a lot of people to look outside of themselves if they're still scrounging and living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. And more and more and more people have that, you know. So it becomes hard to be like, I'm so stressed out. I can't even – I need to just turn all of that off because if I start thinking about that, then it becomes hopeless, you know.
0: Yeah, and and it also, though – <clears throat> and I don't know if it – in terms of of how often this happens but getting to see stories you know where mm-hmm. it's coworkers chip in to buy like the dude that's walking 7 miles to work and from work a new car yeah you know um those acts of generosity mm-hmm. those acts of um the anonymous kindnesses that yeah. do occur mm-hmm. you know that that restore you know or at least Keep my hope alive Yeah For the goodness In humanity mm-hmm. um, And I, I think Yeah it was like Anne Frank that said that mm-hmm. She thought that You know um, There was good in
1: everyone Absolutely that, And it, It's hard though too Because I think we've lost A sense of Physical community In a lot of ways um, and I think that is where like those kind of things come from. Like the average person, the majority, most of their community comes from their coworkers or their family. You know, we aren't like groups like, um, like the JCs and Rotary and like private clubs like that are, are, have, have lost a lot of steam or have shut down in a lot of ways. And those used to be things that it wasn't the government's job to like come in and like um you know we're going to raise money for a new wing of the high school or something like groups like that used to take it on but because of the fact that like the, the the living wage hasn't raised in a lot of ways it's like people aren't able to dedicate the time to things like that anymore so those groups have kind of fallen to the wayside so the having people outside of the people you see at work and people you see at home or your friends from high school or whatever it's hard to and it's hard to make adult friends who have seen you as an adult you know like there's I have a lot of very good friends from when I was a kid, um, and you have a you have a shorthand with the one that you always have. But I think it's also important to make friends as an adult because they don't know any of the baggage that got you to that point, and they can see you as the person that you've evolved to, and they push you to evolve past that. I think, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Which is which is mm-hmm. a a really 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 beautiful thing and i i feel mm-hmm.
1: like it is also very very rare absolutely well especially now cuz it's like you know i mean we have um with things like tinder and bumble and bumble bff we've like gamified our hearts in a certain way where it's like we're swiping and not just with dating but like with like trying to find friends we're just like okay let me just look through and find and we we're, we're reducing people down to these like widgets almost that we're mm. choosing yes or no on. And that's like not how it is supposed to, that that's maybe that's how it evolves to at some point where we're in this weird middle ground that just isn't right yet. But that's not how you genuinely connect with somebody. Cause now you you're like, really, okay, well this person is just these five things. So now people are just like defining themselves in more and more basic terms. Like yeah. I am these five things. Yes, I need to find somebody that also has these five things. And yes. it's like, I have a lot of friends that I disagree with a lot of stuff on, but our hearts are both in the same place and I can see past those things or come to agreements and, you know, come to compromises on them. And they've made me grow by being different.
0: Yeah. Can you give it, can you give an example? Like, obviously you don't have oh, to yeah. name names.
1: Oh but, yeah, no, yeah, no, um, one of my best friends from home is, uh, she's a very religious person. Um, I'm not. I was I was raised Methodist. My mom was a Sunday school teacher, but I just like am not it never was my thing. I remember uh, specifically in first grade, I remember the moment that I was like for me this is bullshit. Um because I like crushed question, I questioned like the um we were learning the creation story in Sunday school and I like didn't understand the concept of God just being there with all the infinity having happened at that point. And then he decided to create us. And I was like, that isn't, so he was just like sitting in the dark for a long time. And I remember my teacher being like, uh, you just need to believe that this is true. Mm. And my parents had told me, you do not just believe things you always question. Um, because you, otherwise a stranger will pick you up and take you away. You know, it's like, no. So I was like, why would, no, that's not what I was taught. So I think I'm smarter than my teacher. And then that, I was like, oh, I don't think you have anything to teach me. I remember specifically in first grade being like, also, I remember in Sunday school being made to feel bad because I was the best reader in class Um, because everybody else in my Sunday school, like I, I I learned to like read really, really young. And I was like one of the first ones I could just like fluently read everything. And my teacher, like my other kids were like, oh, Brandy, she can read. And I was like, I'm smart. I'm not gonna feel bad about it and I, like very specifically remember both of those things happening and I was like I'm done with this. But my best friend, she uh, from childhood, she she's not like um and she she's like a a good person and, and believes like the service aspects of like being a part of religion and like um she's done um does a lot of charity work with it and stuff like that and that's where she's found her community and everything. And just hearing her talk about I she gives me more empathy for those kind of for people that that's their community. You know, I talked to her about, like, all of, like, the, um, all the Bible study classes she does and stuff, and, like, the way that they look at the Bible, like, as philosophy and things like that. And, like, she's not, like, a bigot. Like, she has, you know, I mean, they they welcome gay people into their church. Like, they're really open in a lot of ways. And it, like, it gives me more empathy to not have that direct experience, but to know somebody who that has worked for, and it has made them a better person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yes Mm -hmm. yes
0: yes yes yeah (laughs) you know it's it's that it what's true for me might not be true for you but it doesn't Mm -hmm. make it any
1: less true yeah exactly and I mean like I am it's made it better at also seeing like the parallels for that and like you know that you look for in your life it's like you know I am a stand-up comic so in LA I have this huge community of comedians that I've always had like I mean there's 20 places a night I could go to and I would know somebody there every every night and there would be somebody that I'm friends with or good acquaintances with and can go have a good time with so LA does not feel lonely to me and that's a true blessing because I know that that is not a lot of people's experience out here and knowing my my good friend like that is how church makes her feel and to be like oh that's comedy has pushed me to be better and to analyze myself and to figure out my feelings on things and like church has done that for her
0: it's a beautiful thing. Yeah,
1: it's great to like find your tribe mm. in a lot of ways and to be able to recognize other people's tribes and the way that they fit within them. Yes, mm-hmm.
0: absolutely. And so I, I guess, you know, my question to you is because this has actually been like somewhat of a recurring theme in mm-hmm. terms of like friend breakups. Yeah. You know, has there been a line for you where. You were just fundamentally opposed Mm -hmm. um, To someone's beliefs Um, Were like Have you had a friend breakup like that
1: or I let me think The friend breakups that spring to mind I haven't had a ton because I'm pretty discerning Or I I, I try to be um, But the ones that have happened have been not belief based, but more rooted in narcissism Um, where I, there'll be secret narcissists that will then expose themselves over time. And I am like a, I'm, I'm a giver. Like I, there's givers and takers in the world. i I feel like I get my strength from giving and part of that is also giving to myself and that is knowing when to draw your lines and the last that last one is the one that you need time to like learn and to figure out how to give to yourself um being selfish is sometimes selfless <laughs> it's very important um but the the people the from breakups, breakups I have had or have come from people that have like crossed that line and tried to take more than I'm willing to give Um, where they've kind of hit a point where like I, when I first moved to LA, I had a roommate that I, we'd gone to college together and she moved out here like six months before me. And during the course of that six months, she works in the music industry and she got like really into diet pills and being friends with suicide girls and just like got a bunch of tattoos and like was just eating like chicken and lettuce, chicken and lettuce. And she lost a ton of weight. And she had all this male attention that she'd never had before. And she, like, got obsessed with this one-night stand guy that she'd had, that, that she'd been with. And she, um, when I moved out here, she was crazy. She was, like, driving past his house and, like, doing all this stuff. And, like, she would barge into my room and, like, tell me about it all the time. And I was, like, my grandmother just passed away. And she never asked me about it. She, like, didn't care. Um, it was just about, like, the trauma that, or, the you know, the drama that she was going through in the moment. And it was, it she tried to take more and more and more and I was like I just moved here I don't know where the hell anything is like and then she would get mad when I tried to do like open mics and tried to like start branching out to meet more people besides her you know and I think she just was a little bit of an emotional vampire and it ended up like (laughs) she had like a she had like a fake suicide attempt where she like uh, drank a bottle of Captain Morgan's and a bunch of Coke zeros. And I came home and she was like, I took all the pills in the house. And I was like, I have Advil. I don't know what you're talking about, but she, you know, I, so I ended up fifty one fifty her or because I was like, I don't want you to die. I don't, I'm, I'm 21 and I'm not going to watch. I'm, I'm 33 now. I don't want to watch anybody. I still, <laughs> so I, and I, um, she live tweeted her ambulance ride making like basically like this is the beginning on twitter yelling at me all of this stuff and i like had made this decision when they took her away and she like yelled at me she like spit in my face and i was like you have three responsibilities left as her friend and then you will wash your hands of this and i was like i'm going to the i'm going to go uh, to the place i'm going to get her parents phone numbers i will call her parents um i will find out tomorrow if she needs anything while she's in there and then I will help her back. And then I'm done. And um, I did all of those things. And was like, I have given you enough. You don't get any more of me. You need to find what you need to find within yourself. So that's like, and we loved all the same music, like had the same politics, all of this stuff. So it's to me, and like that kind of narcissism can live within anybody, I think, of all different kinds. Like I've met them in all sorts of walks of life. You know, so I think it's more like the dressings are everything are everything else, but like that 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 is when I draw my line. I will try to like work on anybody else until you show me that you put yourself at the top of your list, but and then have ten spaces between you and the next person. Holy shit! <laughs> Throw that out there. <laughs> it's the first. It was a real fun first year in LA. <laughs> and has she ever reached out to you to like try and make amends nope. or anything? Nope. Well, I guess that that's a narcissist for you. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I know we have. I mean, not not mutual friends anymore, but for a while, I knew people that knew her, and it was like never accepted responsibility. Thought that I was a monster for for ending it. And I was like. Every other person that I know, like, says I'm one of the best friends they've ever had. And I'm, like, I I work actively at being a good person. So I know it's not me. (laughs)
0: That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. What do you do to work? uh, What is your, uh, what is your, quote, unquote, spiritual altruistic workout? Like, what is your workout for betterment?
1: I think, um... A lot of it when I was young uh, was I, my grandmother was my best friend and I got a lot of my life lessons kind of came from her and just modeling and basically, so my my grandmother was um, born 1917. She was the middle child of five, but she was also the first of um, three kids from a second marriage. But she was, like, a bastard because they were not married yet. So at that point when she was born, she was shunned by all of her family. So she, um, like, basically, she had her parents and her two younger siblings, everybody else thought that she was just a bad person because her parents were married. Um, And she was very... um, Did not care what other people thought, but also was willing to take in criticism without taking it personally. Um, And I always saw that from a very young age from her. You know, I mean, she she would admit when she was wrong, but then she could, like, divorce from it being an insult and would take the information and move on from it. And she had that modeled for me when she was young. She also would tell me stories about how when she was a kid... Um, her youngest brother had an enlarged heart and he couldn't go to school. So he would like sit outside on the front porch and she would teach him what she had learned when she came home from school and neighborhood kids would come and throw rocks at him because he was like the weird kid that didn't come to school. And she would like go and scrap with them and get in fights with them. So she would like const- like stood up for what she believed in, in a very physical way by like putting herself in body's harm. So uh, she just, she modeled a lot of things for me that I really respected and Continual to continue to learn those lessons from and try to think about how to apply them to my life in daily, in You know in a daily way. I also try to like read a lot of um different perspectives, um from my own um, especially like from people people and women of color just to be like I These are things I I do not and am not capable of having this experience What how can I learn? How can I learn and be better from this? um so, you know, I read, I read a lot, <laughs> a lot of thing pieces, listen to a lot of podcasts about, you know, about that kind of thing. Just trying to like expand, ex- expand myself to understand, um, how complicated things are, you know? I mean, I used to be very like, um, black and white about what is right and what is wrong. And then trying to be like, to extend empathy to things that I thought were wrong and to figure out, okay, well that is wrong, how did that happen? Because to just say that that is wrong means that I win and I don't believe that there are actually winners and losers because that simplifies the world way too much. Yeah. Yeah. So it's things like that. It's like, um, I went on a cruise for the first time last year and the, I, I I have an uncle that got married to his partner and like they took all the nieces and nephews on a cruise it's like a thank you for not being bigots basically Mm. and um, it was very sweet (laughs) yeah it was sometimes it pay literally pays to not be a bigot (laughs) yeah um and it was fun but like uh you we went to the bahamas and it was interesting and i this was really modeled for me there i um you get off the boat in the bahamas and there are all these people that um women that they want to braid your hair um and you know if you've read a think piece (laughs) you know hey tiny braids are your culture Mm mm-hmm That's appropriation. You cannot, you can't do that. Yes. No, no. But that's one level of it. Level two is in that country, the only way that they're allowed to make money is through the tourism industry because we won't let them have infrastructure. We won't really let them have factories. They can't create things there. So tourism is it. So the only way these women are allowed to make money is through braiding your hair. So the problem isn't necessarily just, oh, you can't braid my hair. Well, okay, so now she doesn't eat tonight what is it's more than just that it's a systemic problem that is bigger than just me not getting my hair braided you know it doesn't mean that i end up buying like a bunch of tchotchkes instead i mean that's what i did in the moment because i didn't know what else to do it's like i want to support you in some way but that one-on-one interaction is not the problem it's something bigger and the more you kind of like think about that the more it's like okay well this This is a more of a systemic problem that I need to step back from. So me letting my ego say, well, you know, I I didn't appropriate anybody's culture today. That doesn't help anything. Put that aside and say, okay, that didn't actually do anything. Let me back out and figure out what the bigger problem is here. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I feel like this is the first podcast experience that I've had. And I I love all of my podcast experiences, mm-hmm. but I'm just getting to sit here shaking my head, yes, <laughs> grinning like a Cheshire cat, just yes, yes, yes. So what what books are you currently reading?
1: What am I doing right now? Uh, I think I'm actually kind of in between a couple of things right now. I'm not really. I've been trying to like take some time i i feel i've been like very overwhelmed just by shit in general in the world and i've been Mm. trying to just like disconnect a little bit from a lot just in general and being like let me just like sit let me just sit in this with no new input (laughs) trying to figure out how to like navigate yeah let, let my dust settle a little bit before i introduce like new voices in
0: yes yeah Oh my God. Yeah. This has been my exact experience for the past almost year. Mm -hmm. And I finally, like, I just picked up, I just read The Alchemist. Oh, nice. The first book I've read Mm -hmm. since. Yeah. Taking a huge step back. Yeah. Every time I say that, I feel like a new white supremacist is born. Mm hmm. The H word, I I can't use it anymore. I can't. Yeah. It's been tainted. Yeah. Um. Anyway, mm-hmm. I completely understand what you're saying. And d- before then, though, were you <clears throat> continually immersed in in terms of reading and? just that genuine
1: desire to grow. Yeah. Yeah. I've always been um, drawn to like biographies and autobiographies are generally what I read the most because I always, I, I feel like I'm a mechanic for other people's hearts. I want to take them apart and I want to see how it works and I want to watch you put it back together again. And like, that's what reading an autobiography or a bi- biography is for me. of just like, okay, cool. I understand why your engine you know, makes that hiccup the way it does. Thank you for showing me that. (laughs) Um, that's my, that's my favorite, that's my favorite kind of thing to do. The last, the last book that I read, and I like, have been thinking a lot about it actually is, um, oh, it's called Amelia Earhart's Daughters. Um, and then it has a long second half of the name of it. And it's basically, or it might be Amelia Earhart's Angels or Daughters. I forget which one. Or Both words in the title somehow. Um, but it's about uh, uh, all of the women uh, pilots in World War II. Um, that basically, World War II happens. Uh, all of the people that were pilots. Uh, basically, the Air Force did not exist yet. They were in the Army. They, so they went over to become combat pilots. But we still had to get the planes overseas. We had to have test pilots here. So the Army started um recruiting female pilots so at that point um you either became a female pilot because you were a stunt pilot so you were a barn burner um or you uh had independent wealth and you could afford your own plane um but it was really hard to get a pilot license as a, as a woman um so women flocked to this because they were like oh my god yes please i want to be able to fly like they wanted so, and so many women at that point too like flying was like a f- freedom for them in the 40s like this was like oh my gosh I can be above everything and looking down it's nothing but blue in front of me like this is so much sh- this shrinks my life I can look down on my life um let me do this so it becomes this great it, 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 it the book is amazing because it's basically um a league of their own but about fighter pilots women women pilots who in our women never um U.S. women never saw combat um but they did fly planes overseas Uh, And then they would come back. They were test pilots. Several of them died testing out things. Um, uh, One of them specifically uh, because a male pilot uh, was flirting in a plane next to her and, like, would not get out of her way. And then she could not pull up in time. So, like, there were real casualties. And the tragedy of their story is that, like, at the end of World War II, um, the Air Force was formed. um, And women in the Army were cut out. They were not given veteran benefits until the late 70s and the way that this also snowballs is when the space race began the only way you could become an astronaut is if you were a jet pilot the only way you could become a jet pilot is if you were in the air force yeah so because women were not allowed the air force that's why it took so long for women to become astronauts yeah um, because they were not allowed to do it and so it's like that's what i'm talking about where it's like things are always bigger and more complex than you think yes and to back out and to be like, oh, World War II is the reason that it took years to get a woman into space. We tested women secretly, and women actually did better um, at a lot of astronaut tests than the men did because we require less oxygen, we're better in enclosed spaces alone longer. Um, just physiologically, why is it like made more sense, but the Army wouldn't do it? They had these women and they were like, yeah, okay. And then they ended up, nobody went to space from that whole group. The first group of like secret women that they tested. And it's, so that, that's like the last book that I, that I read. And it's just like that, that's my favorite kind of thing to read about is like this chunk of history that we don't talk about, but these are like hidden heroes. Like I have, I've, I've kind of a rule where like I, I won't watch war movies anymore. Cause like, I know that all of those men are heroes. I know that. And that's not to be dismissive of what they've done, but I've been told that story my entire life. Yeah. And I know that there are women heroes that we just don't speak about. Yes. And we're never given anything. You know, it's like my grandmother worked in a factory the entire time. You know, she smashed one of her fingers, like, you know, in a huge machine, like to working during the war and stuff like that. Like there's, there are so many stories that we don't tell other than the main one, you know? So that's, that's, that's like my favorite genre of the stuff I try to read.
0: Oh, I oh, I have so many feelings. <laughs> I have so many feelings about this. Mm-hmm. Um I recently actually just read a script ironically enough mm-hmm. that was centered around female pilots during World War 2. Was it about the wasps? Um Possibly? Maybe, yeah. Possibly in, in Texas? No, not in Texas. Oh, okay. Um across Across
1: the pond, oh was it about the um oh god what were the um oh the Russian pilots had this amazing name the R- Russian lady pilots were like the Russian air witches or something they had this some cra- they it's awesome I'll, I'll look it up later, but yeah google those they they had like they had they had this really badass uh name for all their lady pilots
0: <laughs> it's so it's it's mm-hmm. it, 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 it's so it's so fucked. It's so fucked in um, an incredible amount of ways. And I'm sitting here also just thinking about like the the privilege of getting to be able to have time to do something like read. Yeah. And to learn, you know, mm-hmm. getting to have access to books. Yeah. Um, to be able to learn. Mm-hmm. Like the privilege of even getting to read. Like I as I talked about on mm-hmm. your fucking podcast mm-hmm. um, and it was like the title of it, the mm-hmm. fucking ringa Canto. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I miss my book so much. Like yeah. this is like a 10th. Yeah. You know? Um, <clears throat> and I, I too love learning about history and, I love how you described it in terms of like heart mechanic Mm -hmm. um, and learning about the mechanics of one's heart. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to take books from like my public library and I would steal them. Yeah. Yeah. I would (laughs) look to see and I would be like, okay, if it hasn't been checked out in over a year, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to take it with me because at least I'll love that book. And I kept them. Yeah. Um, I kept them and then like in my like late 20s I like had this thing where I was like okay I need to just like send these books back with like a late check yeah <laughs> um and an apology note like yeah. I'm sorry but I kept all of those books from like the time I was like 11 12 13 nice. um and I think that there is something to be said about um learning yeah, from history and getting to see the bigger picture, getting to see the macro of the micro, mm-hmm. and and it really breaks my heart when I see that the more things change, the more they stay the same.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely
0: but it also then but it, it it does give me it it does give me hope though in in the sense of i am a firm believer that if one person mm-hmm. is changed altered affected that affects
1: yes the rest of the world absolutely absolutely and it it is I, I think we, like, evolve in a series of plateaus kind of, too, where, like, we get to a place and then we, like, ride that for a while and we slowly work our way up. Like, I remember reading an article, maybe a year or two ago, um, so the, the kids I'm talking about are probably, like, 26 or 27 now, but I remember reading this article that said very specifically that, like, there was a very a marketed, demarcated line between 24-year-old and 25-year-old boys that if you were... on under 24 your relationship to um to gender was completely different like you you and your guy friends would openly just hold hands in public like you didn't care like there wasn't this like fear of being called gay if you were emotional or anything like that and it's like a very specific period of time where it was just like oh from this point younger like kids just don't that stuff doesn't bother them as much like the culture had made a leap and it was like within within a within a couple of years that it was like everybody older than that is like worried about these these old you know tired masculine problems and kids that are younger than that 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 wasn't even registering for them.
0: That's interesting mm-hmm. because that also then makes me think of because your your birthday's in March, mm-hmm. right? So in terms of like the school year, you mm-hmm. would be like one of the older ones, right? Like, I don't think
1: I ever really paid attention to
0: it. Like, but did you graduate when you were 18 or 18 seven? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, I graduated when I was 17. Oh, okay. I was one of the youngest. Got
1: it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was one of the older ones because I was the first of my friends in college to turn 21 and I don't drink and they were always furious at me. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so that then also makes me think of like mm-hmm. the 24, 25 mm-hmm. in terms of typical school year you have people that like you know turn seven while other people like stay like our five that turns like whatever Mm -hmm. the fuck it is yeah yeah so like wondering also about the variance Mm -hmm. of of that demarcation Mm -hmm. between 24 and 25 yeah and is it everybody that's 24 or is it like on the younger spectrum yeah you know what i'm saying Mm
1: -hmm. yeah like at what point yeah, if yeah, it, yeah, I get what you're saying, what you're saying. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I it the article didn't go that deep. Yeah. But it was kind of just like at this specific age we're seeing like little boys' relationships with masculinity and what, how we define it is drastically different from their older counterparts. <sighs> Which is exciting.
0: <laughs> it is, but also it's it, it, Is that nationwide, worldwide, or is that also segmented to a city like Los Angeles or a city like New York, you know, which is already um, in some ways prone to be more inclusive Mm -hmm. and open-minded versus somewhere like bumblefuck Montana?
1: Yeah. Well, it it seemed like um, what they were saying was it was more... It, it does seem to be pretty nationwide to varying degrees. Yeah. Like I, I've, I've read, I've read something else about how like um, the, f- the younger Republic- Republicans are really interesting because they're the only social thing that they still hold on to is being pro-life. And the reason why, uh, like they're they're fine with gay people they're fine with trans people by and large or they are more, way better than their older counterparts and the pro life thing is interesting because they've grown up seeing pictures of uh, ultrasounds constantly so from them for it's hard when you've grown up seeing that so much that you're like well but you're showing me like it's a thing like it's a person already so that's the that's the last social problem that um rep- young republicans are still holding on to um, but they've like definitely moved in other directions with, you know, with people being gay and trans and things like that. Like they are like, yeah, fine. Be what you're going to be. It doesn't affect me. So it's like the, the changes are happening and it's, we're in this weird, messy in between.
0: Yeah. And that makes yeah. no sense to me in terms of, <clears throat> you know, because they're not pro-life, they're pro fetus. Well, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. that's the but because I feel like, mm-hmm. um, there is no such thing as like a pro-life Republican. There oh, is yeah, such a completely. thing as a pro-fetus Republican. Mm-hmm. But definitely no
1: such thing as a pro-life Republican. Yeah. Otherwise, they would be helping a lot more people yeah. that have because, actual and, life.
0: And that's the thing. You know, when somebody says, I'm, you know, uh,
1: socially liberal, but fiscally
0: conservative. I'm
1: yeah. like, you're a fucking moron. Yeah. Yeah. You're not. You're not socially liberal because your fiscal, your conservative policies are hurting people
0: (laughs) and it it just doesn't it it's it's never made sense to me in the sense of you can't talk about small government but then want to like govern and regulate my vagina yeah and what grows or doesn't grow Mm -hmm. inside my body absolutely yeah in any way shape or form yeah you know and and that to me goes back down to you know, we have always had a huge problem in this country in regards to separation of church and state. Yeah. A huge...
1: Mm-hmm. A massive, yeah. massive problem. Yeah. I mean, I think if we... <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm very much of the opinion if we can get rid of religion and capitalism, I think uh, everybody would be fine.
0: <laughs> everybody would be so much fucking her. yeah. Um, so, what is your part of me feels so behind, yeah, in terms of life? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel very, very advanced, in, in some ways, and in others, when like it comes to capitalism, which mm-hmm. is something that I'm still immersing myself in, yeah, in terms of getting from like the micro. Mm-hmm. And looking back, ba 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 to the macro, yeah. Like, what would your alternative to capitalism be?
1: Um, I mean, I like the socialist model, but I also hold out hope that we have not invented all of the forms of government that there are yet. <laughs> you know, I think that there's lessons to be taken from things that have worked and have not worked. Um, and uh and to pick and choose that stuff to to make it work together a little bit more um but I mean, i think in in my mind, like the government's job should be to make sure that people have the basics um everyone should have a- roof over their head, everyone should be able to eat food if they choose you know that's what they want everyone should have access to health care and yes. health care yes and put the rules in place that make our lives safe. And that's kind of all I really want government for. Yeah. Um, and that obviously like manifests in different ways. It's like, you know, I want them to say what speed limits are. I want them to put, you know, regulations on safety for cars. Well, I want them to yes, say, yeah, that's socialism. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yes. exactly. exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, I want all of that stuff. Yes. <laughs> I also, and I also want them to be able to, Break apart companies that are doing more harm than good. You know, I look at Amazon is horrifying <laughs> in so many ways. Like, um, so many stores around the country are being put out of business because of it. I mean, are in the world are being put out of business, and they're growing bigger and bigger and bigger. I don't understand how you can want to be everything, and how that is allowed. You know, like, I I have friends who work in publishing that um, they used to work at a, a, a publishing house in New York, and Amazon scooped up a bunch of them and moved them out uh, to Seattle. They no, no longer work there because it was fucking evil. Because uh, Amazon basically, when they started, they started distributing books, and that was great. And then they were like, this is great. What if we also started putting out books? We'll become our own publishing house. And they're like, okay, that's fine. But they have so much money, they can buy out everybody else. They were buying up small publishing houses, um, and absorbing them. But instead of making editors the top of the food chain, the way that the publishing world has always worked, they were like, well, that makes sense. Fine. But we have marketers. So we'll put marketers on top. So now a lot of books that come out on Amazon, their covers are chosen by algorithms. Um, they're edited, but like basically by a robot. Then somebody goes and checks Like they don't, the craft of putting a book together doesn't Mm. exist anymore and they've cheapened it and they haven't, they've, they'll they'll publish anything basically. And then once they, and when they see somebody who is selling a lot that hasn't been bought by them, it doesn't matter what they're selling. They'll scoop them up and they'll give you a book deal, you know? So it's like, I don't, I, I just don't understand why 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 do you need to become a publisher too you've already become the biggest distributor in the world why do you need to eat these other industries because now 200 people work for amazon thousands of people work for all these other businesses and what happens to them okay so now they have to go get a job somewhere else does that mean they have to go back to school did they have money saved up for that did they have like we don't have a like a, a safety net for people so people aren't able to to experiment and try something, try anything.
0: Well, that makes me think, you know, that though when Amazon is buying up these small Mm -hmm. publishing houses, doesn't everybody get a really, really, really nice severance package.
1: Yeah. But I don't last it for so long.
0: And I I guess for me, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. getting to have it be like, okay, yeah. You know, we're going to provide you with, Mm -hmm. with enough money to be able to pay rent, eat, Mm -hmm. um, get a car if you need to relocate mm-hmm. if you desire to whatever the yeah. fuck plus enough money for school for four years mm-hmm. paying your whole entire tuition yeah you know that yeah like every single person then should be afforded that yeah you like, know i wish
1: that's what the deal was like it's probably more like alright we going to buy you out for fifty thousand dollars or something fuck no yeah no yeah. and that's the higher end probably you know, I mean, if you're a secretary there, I shouldn't have luck, you know, you're going to get bought out to some degree, but then is but
0: then with that too, then mm-hmm. in, the, in terms of, I love our conversation side note, yeah. but it, then it just makes me think of, well, who's making the decision to say yes to the deal. Yeah. Right. So, mm-hmm. if you have a small publishing house and like the owner of that publishing house is like, okay, we'll make a deal with you, Amazon, because mm-hmm. apparently you like some of our writers. You like blah yeah. blah 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 blah. But here's the deal: mm-hmm. the only way that we're gonna sign with you is this. Yeah. Is if every single employee, down to the janitor, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. is taken care of. Um, and they get X, Y, and Z yeah. for X number of years, mm-hmm. you know, and that you will fund their education or you can like then provide Amazon fresh to them, yeah you know, like whatever the fuck mm-hmm. and that if Amazon then agrees to those terms, yeah. they've got a deal. Mm-hmm. And if they don't buy, yeah. because yeah. that then comes, because that then makes me think that it's the head publisher or the head of the publishing company that's being the asshole and is the one that's being the selfish dick.
1: Yeah. Yeah, probably. And they're the ones making the most off of the deal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, So in that regard then... Um, cause I love all of the, the people that call out magazines that refuse to pay mm-hmm. their writers. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think I love that more and more people are speaking out and are being fearless and have run out of fucks to give. Yeah. You know, I like call them a case of the divine fuckets. Mm-hmm. you know, where you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Absolutely. Um, and and so i'm curious now if there's like anybody that has had this experience that we're talking about where like amazon or another big corporation has bought out you know mm-hmm. a place that you've worked and what your experience has been did you get a severance package like what are yeah. like what is your experience i would really really love to know yeah um because i i guess it's the and this is again, fuck mm-hmm. me. I keep on using this, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the micro of the macro. And we look mm-hmm. at it even within this country and the government, right? Yeah. We're supposedly we the people, by the people, for mm-hmm. the people. Yep. We the fucking people. Yeah. You know, and we look at the government now as like a completely different entity. Yeah. I mean, the individuals that were going apeshit when the fucking NPR Mm -hmm. tweeted the declaration of independence thinking that it was about fucking Trump where it's, I'm a Patriot and blah, 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 Mm blah, blah. Um, but you don't even, you don't even know what you're a Patriot of racism. You're a Patriot of homophobia. You're a Patriot of fucking bullshit. like, yeah fuckery
1: yeah you've been miseducated to such a degree that you don't even know what you you don't know what that word even means
0: and and that goes back to like Mm -hmm. what you were talking about in the beginning Mm -hmm. you know with that you were raised by individuals bless them Mm -hmm. um who gave you the credo for lack of a better term Mm -hmm. like um you were taught how to think not what to think yeah And the majority of people do as I say, not as I do. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And that, why? Because. Yeah. Because. Because. Mm -hmm. I had the same experience um, as you. I got kicked out of CESD Mm -hmm. growing up quite a bit because I had asked questions. Yep. Because I didn't, I didn't get it. Yeah. And, you know, I was not raised in a household that encouraged thinking. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I was in a household th- that encouraged obedience and, mm. that, and no thinking whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but there was something always within me that just couldn't jive with yeah. um, injustice in any way or, or the, just something that seemed so d- full of hypocrisy. Yeah. I just never got mm-hmm. and never ever ever understood and I was not satisfied yeah with those answers and that's the thing that's gotten me in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I was thinking about it today um where you know how they talk about in this industry like you got to play the game.
1: Yeah. You know, and thinking oh, yeah. how
0: like you know, I've definitely been fortunate in my career, to play a few innings, mm-hmm. but I feel like a lot of the time I've spent sitting on the bench, yeah, you know, and that's because I don't play the game very well. Mm-hmm. I suck, I' have a very, yeah. very, very poor batting average. I suck at playing the game, yeah, you know um, <clears throat> but not everybody is going to be gifted, you know as like we'll just use a fucking baseball analogy, yeah, like as a ball player, yeah. But what I found now mm-hmm. is a game that I love to play. Mm-hmm. Now, like it's pretty much I mean, it's not new. Yeah. Um. But it's relatively new to me. Um like really, again, in terms of like the divine fuckets, where it's I know I will always be taken care of. Mm-hmm. And like the difference between um Attaching oneself to a quote unquote social cause mm-hmm. because it's like the trendy thing to do, yeah. which is something I see a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, versus being willing to be unpopular mm-hmm. and not really caring. Um, yeah. Because there are much more important things going on. And then on top of that, getting to see. Being willing to be alone, yeah. Essentially, being willing to like stand alone Mm -hmm. completely, and it's almost like a test. I feel because then, like out of the woodwork, come everybody else. Where it's like, ah, Mm -hmm. welcome,
1: yeah, welcome you. There needs to like, there needs to be people that are willing to be the first person, and I think that that is. That's something that's very hard for people um, in a very physiological caveman sense. If you were, like that's the same reason people hate public speaking, because if you are a person in front of people and they don't like you, the caveman part of your brain is like, Oh, are they gonna pelt me with rocks and then eat me? Is that what's about to happen? So it goes back to be alone.
0: I will say this though hmm. yes, 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 and. I'm just, like, taking a pause because, like, my inside just got so excited. <laughs> um, I love talking about this shit more than anything. Yeah. Um, so I had an experience where I just spoke in Prague. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I had a very different vision of what the room was going to feel like. And, but and you know, as, like, a comedian, yeah. just, like, at the energy of every single room is different. The mm-hmm. people, what time it is, blah, blah, blah. Absolutely every room is different and I had this vision of what it was going to be like and then I got there and when you feel like you don't have the room Mm -hmm. when they're not connecting in one way or another or you or at least for me I thought they weren't connecting I was wrong um and getting to see almost like from a detached way where it's well I'm not going to <clears throat> retract any of what I'm saying. Yeah. Because it is my truth. Mm-hmm. Right? And and that didn't mean that I didn't I, I definitely came from that experience
1: afterwards
0: like fuck man, I, I really feel like I fucked up. Mm-hmm. I'm also very hypercritical of myself, which I'm aware. Mm-hmm. Um, as I feel like most artists are. Like yeah. Most creatives are. For sure. <laughs> um, You know, because it's not about wanting to look good. It's really desiring to... What's the word I'm looking for? I
1: think so, to be like the best conduit. For like the truth. Yes, getting yeah. to
0: be the best conduit and getting to have it land. hmm Yeah. Getting to have it be received. hmm Getting to have self be received in that way. Yeah. Um, but then also the willingness to, it might not happen and that's all right. Yeah. And I was wrong. Um, I was wrong, which I was, I was, I was grateful for, but in that in-between place of, not knowing, doubting, ba ba ba, and then getting to have the like, you were great, you made me cry, ba ba ba. The lesson that I got was <clears throat> what happens when one owns their story and they own who they are. Mm-hmm. And the continual journey of the willingness to be alone. um, And for me, that's the the, like willing to die. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, In the. I think that everybody's greatest desire is to be seen, Mm -hmm. and everybody's greatest terror is to be seen. Yeah. And not received. Mm -hmm. And then they'll find out the ugly, horrifying truth Mm -hmm. that. I am as awful and atrocious as I thought I was and this individual just confirmed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they have the experience of seeing that oh they're not leaving and they're staying and they see me and they're holding me in love mm-hmm. oh my god that means every single belief that I've had about myself needs to die. Yeah. And then who am I without that identity? Mm-hmm. Who am I without the People don't like me because of this, or ba, 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 ba. Who yeah. am I without the history and who am I without the story? Mm-hmm. Right? Being able to create that new story. Um, and so, just finding that the willingness to be alone and the willingness to cast off that old story, um, whether or not you're received by others Mm -hmm. but for me I really truly feel that like that's kind of part of like the intuitive feeling where there's some tiny little thing within us that compels us to make those big leaps of faith Mm -hmm. where it's I'm willing to go this alone yeah I'm willing to stand on my own Mm -hmm. because it's almost like it's the pulse where it's okay okay this is scary as fuck. Hello. Yeah. And I've already done it. I've already taken the action. Mm -hmm. And here I am. And I don't know what the future looks like. And it's in that moment that I feel that others then wake up and they're like, Oh wait, someone new has come. Yeah. Someone new has arrived. Mm -hmm. Let's go find them. (laughs) Let's go see them. Let's bring them to our tribe. Yeah, You know, um, yeah they oh, absolutely, and so, like, what has that been for you? Like, what have been your moments of stepping alone, mm-hmm. being willing to die in that sense, being willing to stand alone
1: for who you are? Let's see I've had a couple of them i um when I moved to Los Angeles, I am from the East Coast, I knew. Only my crazy ex-roommate when I moved here. I didn't know anybody else. So I was really throwing myself into a complete new place. Didn't know anything. Um, I mean, this was pre-phone GPS, too. (laughs) It's been 10 years. So I'd look at me and a Thomas Guide figuring out the city. Also, that was six months after my grandmother died. So I was just driving around weeping in Los Angeles. Just like in a city full of people that didn't know me, didn't know her, and wouldn't have cared. So I was truly alone doing PA work, (laughs) like going to go pick up lunch. Let me just cry in the car on the way to go picking up lunch, wipe out the tears, take the lunch back, give it to people who refuse to learn my name and then just stand by until they want me to take their trash away. And like, that was my first year in Los Angeles was doing stuff like that when I first moved here and figuring out this whole city, you know, so that, and Reminding myself why I wanted to be here and forcing myself to, you know, just kind of living in that and feeling that insignificant in the face of the worst thing that had ever happened to me. My grandmother passing away um, kind of like forged me in a way that I was like, okay, well, I just left my family. Everything that I do from now on has to matter because it is a moment that I am not with my family. So if I want this time to mean anything, it needs I need to always be working, basically. Um so moving to LA, uh starting stand up and really giving into and, and really going balls to the ball with comedy. I've been doing it for about nine years now. I have started touring in the last four or five. Um and it pays most of my bills, which is great. Um and that like I'd always been funny but funny with my friends I was never like a class clown um I always thought those kids were the worst um and I kind of just like was very like this is what I'm thinking is fun and I'm, I'm always like thankful that I'm also a person that does not need to be the center of attention I'm perfectly happy to sit back and like absorb and just watch and be like okay this will mean something to me later like I'm very patient in like my interactions and I'm just I'm also very quick to be like Okay, you don't deserve this. Um, bye. <laughs> like, I definitely have turned on audiences and been like, oh, you're all assholes. That's okay. I'll, I'll just drive it into the ground tonight. That's fine. <laughs> That's ah! fine. Ah! Uh, you came here for laughter. You don't deserve it. Good luck. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, I mean, starting stand up and then, like, using stand up to learning to be able to let it um, be a way that I process events and take power back from them. Um, that's that's definitely been one of those moments for me of just like, OK, being on stage and like going from writing just joke jokes to like writing about like real things like uh, my mom passed away a couple years ago and I have a couple of jokes about that. On my album and just like the process of grief. But like having that five minutes or whatever was like this is a positive thing that has affected other people and has made I've gotten emails about those jokes. People that have also gone through that are just like, thank you. And it was a way to take a tragedy and make it mean something positive. And comedy gave me that power to be like, okay, this thing that broke my heart um, is good. It's good because it helped all of these other people, you know, and it's made them stronger. And, you know, rising tide boats, yada yada yada. <laughs> you know, so like that's a big one for me. Like moving to LA comedy. Um, I I had breast reduction surgery like three four years ago. Maybe th- three. Nope. Yeah, somewhere in there. Whatever, it doesn't matter. But I had breast reduction surgery. And that was one something that like I always wanted. Um, from the time that I was in like seventh grade and got boobs until I did it. And my parents when I was on their health insurance, they were like, Absolutely not. No, don't do that. Just like, you know, they were like very good in a lot of ways, but like my family has like food issues and stuff like that. So they were like, well you should try to lose weight. And like that's they did the best they could with that stuff. They did not understand what saying that to me actually meant. (laughs) You know? Um, but like when I moved out here and got my own insurance and finally afford my own insurance, like one of the things when I was buying it, literally I was on the phone with insurance company and I was like all that I want this to cover is therapy and breast reduction. And they were like, uh, that's not how people pick plans. I was like, I don't care. That's how I pick a plan. That's literally all that I want from you. (laughs) Like I was like, I'm healthy and I'm not going to really use this more than that. Those are the two things. Yeah. And they were like, okay. And I got, I got a lady on the phone that like, you know, I, and I had, you know, most people in my life were supportive, but I definitely had people that were like, really? What? Because that, Having big boobs is also a thing that I had, like, um, that was a way that people saw me. Um, It was not a way that I'd ever seen myself. It was a thing about myself that I resented. I, like, love my body. That was the one thing about myself that if an audience member, had never happened, because I'm very scary on stage sometimes, um, but, like, if an audience member had ever gone after that, it would have been the one thing that would have actually hurt me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it was the one thing that I couldn't control about yeah. myself and the one yeah. thing i didn't love about myself yeah. i love that i'm able to do things i'm strong i can run i'm fast like i can do so much and that was the one thing that i hated about myself and i ate all these people that were like you're doing what i was like no oh, getting rid of them i don't care it'll make me feel better and my comedy vastly improved on the other end of it because i was fe- actually fearless on stage yeah because the one thing that i was worried about would never happen again and even now if somebody were to say something about my boobs i'd be like i don't care they they've lasers made them <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. i'm good i i'm my body isn't perfect now it never will be but it i took control of it in a way that i i will always risk i will always be happy that i gave myself yeah yeah so those are kind of like my big, be- my big three, <laughs> my wow. big three moments. Mm-hmm. Those are, Thank you for
0: sharing that. Yeah. No those worries. are, those are beautiful, beautiful moments. Mm-hmm. And uh, listening, listening to you, um, it makes me think was, was your grandmother's passing, um, in part why you made the decision to move to LA or was that a decision that you had made beforehand?
1: I had been, well, so I, I it was right after I graduated college. Yeah. I went to college in Philly and I, when I graduated, I knew I either wanted to go to New York or LA. I had my senior year of college. I'd gone up to New York and taken sketch classes at UCB and stuff. And I liked it, but it wasn't the right energy for me. Um, it's just not, there's too many people. And I, I take on, people too much and i need distance um so i i was like no well let's go figure out la and i had been waffling on that decision because i had friends that moved to new york i had friends that were staying in philly I didn't really at that point i just had the one crazy friend that moved out to la um so i was just like i don't really know anybody else that's going and when my grandmother like did not get sick until a month before she died and, um, and she died like three days short of her 89th birthday. So it's not a tragedy, but it is, you know, a huge loss. Um, but I, I remember coming home and knowing that she was sick and being like, okay, well I'm, I'm here for, th- for this. And then I had the, um, that was like in the end of September. Uh, and then I have, I was like, okay, I'm going to stay home and like get a job here until Christmas. Cause I'm not going to go and then come back and whatever. So over that those next couple of months, I was like, I love my family. I need to do something massive, though. And New York's not far enough to, like, throw myself, throw myself into a void to figure out if I can pull myself out of it or not. Yeah. You know, and so I think L.A. was just kind of this, like, definitely a massive leap of faith for me because I just needed to see if I could sink or swim yeah. with nothing you know, yeah. and uh, and so I just you know separated myself from my from my friends, other than the one that lived out here. And it's interesting because I started touring when my mom passed away, like right after she passed away. Is kind of when I started like really hitting the road in earnest. And it's definitely was me doing a similar thing because I was like, all right, I have material, I need to go work it out, and I just driving on open road really relaxes me too yeah but it was me like doing jokes about my mom dying in rooms in like the middle of wyoming where you know i was you know doing really well but it was like nobody here knows her nobody here cares but if i can make you care about this then on my own then this shows me i was holding a mirror up to remind myself how powerful i was Mm. and i think that's what realizing it now like you know and with that through through touring after my mom died that's what i think i did when my grandmother died it was, I was like i need to this is the weakest this is the weakest i will ever be i need to find my strength without anybody else helping me find my strength um and obviously like you have support systems like you yeah. know, i had friends and family yes. and everything too yes. but like tr- like i was so I wasn't truly alone but i was alone in the sense that like i needed to be the one that Got myself up in the morning and did all yes. of this stuff. Yes. yes. Yeah. So I had to, I had to rebuild myself from that. Yes. Without anybody else being like, you have to get up, you have to do this. I got you a job. I got this. I got this. Like, yeah, I, for sure. Yeah. I had to do it myself. Yeah. 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 So and touring was the same thing. I just have like a memory of being like in the middle of like, um, I've been Colorado or something and just driving and being like, I don't know a person for a thousand miles in any direction. And I'm okay with that because if I meet somebody, I will make them like me or not. (laughs) I will make them laugh or I won't. And it doesn't matter. And like, there was something great about being like, I am only responsible for myself in this moment. And that's all I have room in my heart to be responsible for. I'm not responsible for how any of these, anybody that I care about how I'm interacting with them right now. I'm not, I don't have room To like be a good friend to somebody else, I can be I can be a good friend by just disappearing for a minute (laughs) and figuring my own shit out. Yeah, yeah, and it it made me a stronger comic, made me a stronger person. You know,
0: yeah. There's (laughs) yes, I I I agree with everything you say. Um, There's a saying in my house um, between my love and I, which um, Mm -hmm. comes from like conversations with God. You know, where essentially it's, like, the highest for you is highest for me. Mm-hmm. Like, what's high... Like, my highest choice for self is going to end up being the highest choice for you. Yeah. Like, really, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um You know, and that, like, betrayal of... Betrayal of self is the highest form of betrayal. Absolutely. You know? Um, and it's, it's very rare. Like, it, it's very rare to meet individuals that... Um, refuse to betray self yeah
1: (laughs) absolutely and it's interesting because like the world is set up the world is full of traps to betray yourself Mm -hmm. and i mean the industry that we work in wants you to betray yourself at every corner and i mean i know i know yeah i know those fuckers those (laughs) motherfuckers so you get it get it (laughs) we'll tag along yeah. No. They. I mean, it. Like, I'd be way farther if I had compromised a lot. <laughs> I but you. I'd be unhappy. And I see yeah. people that are further and are miserable. Yeah. And it's because they. It's because they compromised everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I. I mean, yeah. There's a, a, a several examples that spring to mind, and it's just like you have all the money in the world, and you yell at people on Twitter all day and, but like, it, but like you, you're mean about, you're, yeah. you're, you're a bully. Well, I yeah. see it mm-hmm. and you're, you're unhappy and I have a fraction of what you have, but I'm perfectly at peace, perfectly at peace. If I, if nothing else happened for me, this is just where I'm at. I'm perfectly happy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it's getting to lay your head down at night. hmm. Um, mm-hmm. peacefully. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Um, that is priceless. You can't you can't put a price tag on that. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't mean that like I mean, God knows I've definitely gone to bed sometimes. Um, not really, you know, like this last year, like mm-hmm. I completed my Jesus year mm-hmm. in November and I turned thirty four. But like my thirty third year of life mm-hmm. really yeah. was about um getting to have like a full on transformation in every single way, shape and form. Yeah. Whereas I went from, I would go to bed and I would be filled with fear. Like, Oh my God, how am I going to pay? I mm-hmm. like, what the fuck is going to happen? Like, fuck me. Oh mm-hmm. my God. Like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah. I think I'm doing like, quote unquote, everything right. Like, God damn it. Fuck. And I felt so fucking powerless. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also living by other people's credos in terms of quote unquote what it was to be a good person, what it was to like, you know, um, dot your I's and cross your T's and Mm -hmm. it's like, I'm doing every single thing right. Yeah. But still like, I'm, I'm filled with such fucking terror that like, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, like $54 in the bank like I don't mm-hmm. know what is going to happen and I like don't like buy handbags and I don't yeah. have like fancy cars and like I fucking go to a thrift store and I wear yeah. the same pair of shoes mm-hmm. for five fucking years fuck me god mm-hmm. damn it mm-hmm. Um, and like this past year has really been like getting to let go mm-hmm of all of those quote unquote rules that like we're limiting you know but under that like very shiny guise mm-hmm. of being a good person and yeah. like being that like spiritual person and mm-hmm. like whatever and it's like you know you were talking about like it's um that you're a really big giver mm-hmm. and uh I hid behind my giving yeah. for a really long time mm-hmm. because the truth is, is that it was terrifying to receive yeah, because I was always looking for what are the strings attached because there always are. Yep. And I really don't feel worthy of receiving this. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I would f- receive, I would feel so fucking guilty. I never felt like I was worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Just getting to the place like this past year of um, I go to sleep now filled with such peace, Mm -hmm. like such peace. And I don't have like thousands of dollars in the bank, you know, like I'm literally like my lease is up and I'm getting Mm -hmm. rid of my car. Yeah. Um, Like my little like fucked up. 2014 mm-hmm. Toyota Prius <laughs> um, you know but I'm like the happiest and the most filled with joy that I've ever been and I yeah. think a big part of that is this Yeah, is that my life begins and ends with me mm-hmm. in the sense of who I am what I am and how I serve mm-hmm. and that um, the best authority on my life is me Mm -hmm. And um, there's a sense of autonomy and selfhood and like a fuck ton of other shit that like I've talked about, but I'm not going to talk about now um, that has gone into that. And it's the first time that I actually feel connected with the universe in a way that I'd been trying to connect with through my twenties and early thirties, like through all the books I read and all this shit and like, yeah. I just need to think the right positive thought. Yeah. I just need to give an extra $10 to the homeless person. Yeah. I just need to do this. I just need to do that. Mm -hmm. And that if life wasn't quote unquote looking good, Mm -hmm. um, it was because I was doing it wrong or God hated me or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um, And now it's, it's really, I could die tomorrow Mm -hmm. and I'd be okay. Yeah. Like I really, I, I'd be okay. I'd of course like be sad because I love my dogs and Mm -hmm. like, I love my love and there's a lot in life that I really desire to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Um, and who knows, maybe this will change in six months. However, it's, um, I'd, I'd be all right if I died tomorrow.
1: Yeah. I think about that sometimes. Where I'm like, yeah, I, same thing. Where I'm like, it would, it would be sad, but I also feel like I. To this point, I've like I know I've made a mark in people's lives in a good way, very small ways. All like, but I know I know that, and I know what I've given of myself in a genuine way, and the thing that's great about that is to like extend that to people. For me, like, just m- makes my like fills my reservoir more, you know? And I, and I know that, I know that, you know, if I were to die, I, I can name a lot of people that I love and care about that would honor me and that would be my ripple, you know? Yeah. So it's like, okay, cool. I know how that's, I know how it would go. And I'm and I'm at peace with that, yeah. knowing that I've found my own genuine self and been able to share that with some with other people, and that has made the world a better place in small ways. I'm not, you know, you, you get it. <laughs> no, I get yeah, it completely. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I get it completely, and I will say you've you've definitely made a mark on me. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, like you really, really have. I've I've loved talking with you. Um, everybody, just. Just fucking go see her fucking comedy. <laughs> Listen to lady, 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 like, just like fucking follow her on Twitter, Twitter, twitty. <laughs> follow her on Twitter and the Facebook and the Instagram. What I was saying was follow her on the Facebook and the Twitter and the Instagram. This is what happens when batteries fail you, even when they're new. And you put them in. Um, Yes, this is a post-show closer. Because the batteries that I just put in apparently weren't really fresh. Who can you trust if you can't trust batteries? Anyway, Brandy Posey, so glad that you got to come on my podcast. Thank you everyone for listening And until next time, this has been another episode of Shut Up and Listen with me, Heather Matarazzo.